Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Wednesday night, we're going through the book of Philippians, and we're going to look tonight at Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 to 26. And so we're going to talk about that in, the, in this passages here. There's just one of the great verses of the Bible that you and I need to grab a hold of. Just a reminder, up in the top left-hand corner of your notes, there's a text number. If you have a question, you can text it in. Pastor Steve has the wherewithal to get them, and I'll stop every once in a while and try to answer it if I can. And so we're going to begin with Paul's confidence. Paul's confidence. Here's what he says. Verse 20, I fully expect and hope. Now that hope you got to make sure you understand it. That hope is not like my hope of, I hope the Packers make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, that's a hope I have, all right? No, it's, it's not just, well, I hope I get something nice for Christmas. I hope everything. It, it's this hope that he mentions here, it's a confidence. It's a knowing that this is, I fully expect and I'm confident. And I hope that I'll never be ashamed. I know I never will be but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And trust my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. Now, in the previous verses, just a reminder, because it's been a couple of weeks, he was dealing with, remember the people that were preaching the gospel who were doing it for the wrong motives? And he addressed that situation, and he said, look, as long as they're preaching the gospel, the good news, doesn't matter what their motives are, the important thing is the good news is going out. God will sort that out and sort that through, and so the news is going forward. So he has said that, and then he comes and says, but here's what for me, I expect, I'm never going to be ashamed, I will keep doing this, and I'll trust my life, I'm going to honor God with what I do. And so he said, it doesn't matter, this is what I want. I want to live to honor Christ. Now, all throughout, especially the New Testament, you and I live our lives, it's mentioned in a couple of different ways. I want to live my life to honor God. I want to live my life to glorify God. I want to live my life so that God is pleased. I live my life for him and not for me. And so he says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, he says, we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call, because all of us have a calling on our life. All of us have God who has called us to be his children. He's called us to use us as he desires. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. How many of you understand the Holy Spirit prompts you to do things? And many times in order for you to do things, faith has to get you going. I don't understand why I should do this. I don't like that he's wanting me to do this, but I sense that this is what I should do. I'm not sure how it's going to work out. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Well, faith has to step in for you to be obedient and to do. And so he says, look, I know God's going to give you the power to accomplish whatever your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be honored because of the way you live and you will be honored along with him. And this is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. So he comes very quickly to this confidence. I'm going to do this and my life is honored God. 
I think sometimes the Christians don't live with enough confidence in this regard. I am confident that I'm God's child, and I'm confident that I'm going to serve him, and I'm confident he's going to take care of me. Because without that confidence, faith has a hard time to get you to move, doesn't it? Because, well, I don't know that I can. I'm not sure. I don't think I'm worthy. I don't think I can do this. I'm not sure where I'm at with God. I'm not. We have all these thoughts that go through our heads and our minds and that keep us from doing what God is prompting us to do simply because we've talked ourselves out of it. God doesn't need people who think they've got it all together. He just needs people who are willing to make the move to go where he's prompting them to go. Well, what if I miss it? Well, I believe it's better to go and miss it than not go at all. It's better to take that step and learn from it than miss it completely. 1 Peter 1.6, be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, and this word joy keeps propping up throughout Philippians, and it's there in Peter too. We're going to get to it in a moment. Even though you've got to endure trials for a while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire test and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong, so when you act on it, when you use it, how does a muscle stay strong? You use it. You don't use it, it atrophies, doesn't it? It gets inactive. As your faith remains strong through many trials. Many trials, anybody? Not just one or two, right? Many throughout life. It will bring you much praise, glory, and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So Paul has addressed what these other people are doing, but he says, look, folks, I want to remind you of something. I'm confident of what I'm doing. For me, I I am just sure that I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to be bold for Christ. I want my life to honor God. That's the way all of us should live. I want my life to honor God. My actions, my attitudes, my words, everything, I want to honor God with it. My thoughts, the things nobody sees, I want to honor God in it. And so he has this confidence to say, I'm going to do this. And I think more of us should have that confidence, right? I'm going to do this. I'm confident. I'm going to do it. Paul's commitment. Now we come to a Two verses that are just incredible. Verse 21 is a verse that you should just take and make sure you just apply it. Notice what he says here. For me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. Wow. It's been said that you're really not ready to live until you're ready to die. And Paul says, for me, I live for Christ. And if I die, I live for Christ. And I'm a better place. I don't know that we always think that. For me, living for money and dying means I lose it all. Living for pride and dying means nobody remembers. Living for self and coming up empty. Living for Christ 
And if I die, I win. I win. That attitude, that heart, that way of thinking changes everything about us. And he says, I'm ready to do this. I'm confident I'm going to do this because when I live, I live for Christ. Now, somehow we have this idea that if I live for Christ, the only way I can truly do that is I need to go to a monastery and devote my life to this one thing and be a hermit and a crab. You know, some people are crabs anyway, but be a hermit and be, you know, this person. And all I do is this, this, and this. And we forget that God places us in this life to live the life that we have available to us, to enjoy life. And to do it as we live for Christ. You live for Christ when you go to work. You live for Christ in your relationships. You live so that Christ is honored in everything that you do. And for me, living, when you talk about living, it's Christ. You know, they got to turn, well, that's really living. Doing some event or something. No, it's not. And Paul makes this great phrase, this great verse. It should be a verse you memorize. It's easy. It's just one little short verse. It's one little sentence that you keep in the forefront of your mind. He says, look, when I talk about living, my whole life is going to be lived for God. And if my life is done, all the better. You don't live for the moment. You live for eternity. And then he says, verse 22, but if I live. <laughs> now, he gets a little reflective here in these next few verses. He starts looking at things as they're going on. Remember, he's in house arrest. He's chained to a Roman guard. He's in prison. He's writing to these people that he cares about. He says, but if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. You know, I, I want to live live for Christ. I, I'm ready to die and be with Christ, but I want to serve Christ. Here's another way that he said it in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. My nature I put to death. I no longer live for me. I live for Christ. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, uh, chapter 6 of Galatians. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. That's a big statement. Don't you wish the world and you would just die? Go away. And that's that crucifixion that he talks about, that dying that he talks about. And so Paul comes to that place where he's very upfront with these people. He says, look, when we talk about living, all I care about is what am I going to do for God? And I'm going to live this life and be the best person I can be, be the most joyful person in the crowd, be the person who loves life to the fullest, be the person who's willing to do whatever God wants me to do, obey God more than I do myself, 
That's what I live for. That's what I'm about. That's what life is about. And if I die, okay, I'm ready. I'll go to be with the Lord. It'll be wonderful. That's a great attitude to have. It's not, well, I'm going to live for God, so that means I don't get to have any fun while I'm here. And I have to do all the drudgery things and just, you know, do this and this and be the person who checks out and... No. For me, living is Christ. Because when Christ is in your life, you're really alive. He gives you an I life. So, dying's better. Why is dying better? Now, here's where Paul was far ahead of me and, and us. He says, look, I'm not looking at the temporary. I'm looking at the eternal. I'm not just living for now because eternity matters more than the life I'm living today. So I'm going to live for Christ now because eternity is coming And when I get there, it's going to be better than what I've got now. I don't think a lot of Christians think eternity is going to be better than what they got now. I think what most Christians are hoping for is, I hope eternity is a little bit better than the life I've got here on this earth. I can be with my family and friends. I can be in a nice place. I can just picnic all the time and just kind of take life easy. And it'll just be wonderful. It'll just be me and mine. And we'll be there. And we'll all be able to sing and have harps and, you know, do what we need to do. And, you know, all the animals will be nice and sweet and gentle and kind even the cats and everything will just be wonderful and you know everything I'll just be heaven on earth that's not even close the Bible says that when we think about eternity it hasn't even entered our mind nor than it can be conceived what God has prepared for us it's far better and greater than you could ever imagine. And so Paul's saying, okay, I'm willing to live here, but boy, one day I'm getting to a great place. I live for now for God because I'm going to live with him forever. And eternity matters more than now. Now that means that now I'm going to be responsible I'm going to be a good steward. I'm going to have the attitude of Christ. I'm going to live like he wants me to live. I want to live in such a way that non-Christians look at me and are jealous of all the joy I've got and everything that's going on. That's the way we should be. Okay, I think so. The rest of you can work on it, all right? So he comes to that place, and that's what he says. His commitment says, look, living is for Christ. If I die, I'm better off. But if I live, I can do more work for Christ. So I really don't know what's better. So he has this conflict. 
He has this issue that he has to address, this thing that he's wrestling with in his spirit and in his heart. He cares for these people. He loves these people. But at the same time, he knows he's changed. There's a possibility his life isn't going to be much longer, and it isn't. It's going to be another four or five years maybe, but he's ready. So here's what he says in verse 23. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. For other people's sakes, is it better for you to live or to get out of their life? Are you having an impact and an influence on them that is positive? Not that you're preaching at them all the time or anything, but that your influence is such that their life is improved because you're in it. That's what he's saying. For your sakes. You know, for your sakes. It's better that I continue to live because I get to be an influence. I get to be a part of it. I get to enjoy you. I get to help you. I get to minister to you. Verse 25, knowing this, I'm convinced that I'll remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. There's that little word joy again in this book, isn't there? And so, you know sometimes you and I look at life and think, well, I'd like to stay in this world. I'd like to stay because, you know, well, there's family and there's things that I'd like to do. And many times when we look at staying in this world, it's about selfish things, isn't it? This is what I'd like to have. This is still what I'd like to be a part of. This is still, I'd like to live a little longer so I could do this. I'd like to be able to experience that. I'd like to be able to be a part of this. But Paul turns that whole thinking all around and he says, look, I simply want to stay here for your benefit. Not for mine. It's going to be better that I die for me. But for your sake, I would rather stay here and be a blessing to you than to get what I want. And so we have to ask ourselves, are people better off because I'm living with them? Or am I a burden? Or am I a challenge? Or do I make their life more complicated? Or am I a blessing to them? It's a hard question, isn't it? But you see how he looks at it so different than most of us do. What's best for others wins out. Okay, I think God's letting me know that I'm going to be able to go on and to be a part of your life. And I want to remain so I can help you do more. It's not about me, it's about you. You and I always wrestle with this conflict of am I going to live for me or am I going to live for God? Which means am I going to live for others? And living for others is hard. 
He said, no, when I got to live for you, you're really difficult to live with. Aren't we all? And if I live for you, I don't get to live for me. And there's stuff I'd like to do. And yet, Paul has it all in order. For me to live is Christ. Nothing I could do more than to help you. Nothing better for my life than to invest it in other people. And he says, you know what? I want you to grow and experience the joy of your faith. Now, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet because of our faith, because of our God, because of the life that we are privileged to live. I was lost, but now I'm found. I've been changed. He set me free. He embraces me. He forgives me. He loves me. And we should be the most joyful people around. I'd like to put somebody one day at the doors as people walk in and just have them check. Joyfully grumpy. Joyful, grumpy, grumpy. And see which side would would win. Just as people walk in the door. Because I think you could tell. And so you and I come to that place. There is joy in drawing closer to Christ. And the more I do for him, the better life gets. And we can't allow the things of this world, which are temporary, to rob us of the joy that'll be ours later and today. The Bible says about Jesus going to cross, he endured it off because of the joy set before him. He knew where he was going. Therefore, he could go and do it because he knew life was going to be better. And so no matter what we're facing today and no matter what we're going through, God still wants to help us have joy. And you see, all the studies have proven it, Christian, secular, you you name them, people are more happier when they live their life to help others than when they live their lives for themselves. Everything backs it up. And so here we have this man who says, look, for me to live Christ and to die, man, that'd be great. But I love you. And I want to care for you. And I want to do what's best for you and not what's best for me. So I'm thankful that God's going to let me stay around so that I can help you experience the joy of God and grow in your faith. Our influence on other people's lives should help them grow in God and increase the joy of their life. Agreed? So he says, you know, I'm torn between these desires. I'd like to really go with Christ, but you know what? For your sakes, I guess I'll live. I guess I'll go on. Because... It's a great knowing that you and I can work together. And I want to help you grow and experience the joy of your faith. God's credit. 
God's credit. Verse, last verse in this section. And when I come to you again, so, okay, I'm, I'm going to come again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. You're not going to take pride in me. You're going to take pride in Christ. When I come again, we're going to celebrate what God is doing in our lives together. When we get together, there's reason to rejoice because of the influence and the growth we have with one another. And so there's this celebration that takes place, this understanding that you and I get to experience that pride and that joy in what God's doing in our lives, how he's using us and working through us and to help others. Now, let's understand something very honestly. Sometimes when you're helping others, you don't see the results you want to see. But if you remain faithful, those results will happen over time. They will. You never know. Some plant, some water, some harvest. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Our present struggles, troubles quite small, won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that far outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Eyes on the eternal, not the temporary. Knowing that in this unseen world, things are going to be there forever, and it's going to be better than you can imagine. Colossians chapter 3, you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Now, I work to give God glory. I work to honor him. I want my life, I want to hear well done. I want God to be pleased. I want God to be honored. I want everything I do to be representative of him in a correct way. And when that well done is said, and when we get there, notice what it says there. He shares his glory with us. That's just, that little phrase there has always intrigued me. Because he's got a lot of glory. And that I get to have a small part of it, that's just incredible. That's just beyond understanding. Hebrews chapter 10. Don't throw away the confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. I'll take no pleasure in anyone who turns away, but we're not like that. There's that confidence again, isn't there? We're not like that. We're not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. We are the faithful ones 
whose souls will be saved. A confidence in knowing who I am in Christ and knowing what my future holds and in knowing how to live in this life. For me to live as Christ and to die, boy, is that going to be great. And so we live with that hope, with that confidence, with that awareness of knowing that's what life is all about. So how are you doing with that? How are you living in that way that is honoring God and living for others and not just self, living for the eternal, not just the temporary, having that confidence of knowing I'm doing everything to the best that I can to please God and to honor him and to help others. And one day, the old course says, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase. So bravely run the race. Do you see him? Lord, today, help us to be like Paul. To have that understanding about life and what matters and what's important. Be assured of who we are and what we're doing and to live life not just for the moment, but for the eternal. And as we go from here tonight, help us to go with that life to be lived. For to live is Christ, to die is gain. We go to live in that. In thy name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.